This is the Tribune Audio Network. Okay. Hi. <laughs> we're ready. Let's do it's, this. He said yes, we're on. We're on. We're recording. We're live. Okay. Do it. But we're not live. This is Sip Survive. Repeat. That was weird. Do it again. <laughs> this is Sip Survive. And repeat. Because I left Kenny out. Sorry, Kenny. Get That's it okay. together. <laughs> I'm just so excited it's Monday. I'm kidding. <laughs> we usually don't record on Mondays, so today's a special day. It is a special day, but we didn't record at all last week, so we're like a week. We took a week off. We needed it, though. Yeah. I mean, we were all real busy last week. It wasn't going to so, happen. Yeah. I was going to just slap some shit together. Oh, wait. <laughs> <laughs> That's what we do. Oh, wait. That's what happened this week. Um, So let's talk about the wine. Mm. So this is called Altamora. I think I'm pronouncing it right. Probably not. Um, 2016. And it's found in my basement. So (laughs) I I did get this at Heinen's, which is a local grocery store. Because it was in like a Heinen's bag down there. Yeah. And it is an Italian wine. Great. Red. That's all I really know. Okay. Um, just says red wine, Italian. Well, you know what? It's delicious. I have no qualms with it. I have not tried it yet. Oh, take a sipper. Let us know what you think. Well. Very smooth. Good. I like it. Yay. I'm not very hard to please when it comes to wine. <laughs> I know. I'm like, is it red? And I like it. Is it dry? Is it red? It's a little sweet, but not too sweet. Like, I can still enjoy it. Okay. Um, uh, I just wanted to say... I just looked at our Facebook and one of our patrons, Kim Hunter, the one who uh, we just sent a Sip, Survive, Repeat wine tumbler to, mm-hmm. brought it on a cruise with her. I just yeah, took a picture Kim. of her sipping out of it on yes. the cruise deck. Get it, Kim. <laughs> I'm so excited. <laughs> Thanks for supporting us. Yes, thank you. Thank you for buying our wine for us. Yes. Every month we get a bottle of wine from you. Mm-hmm. Um, I just got back from New Jersey. Uh, my friend lives out there in Jersey City, and she has the cutest little pudgy baby you've ever seen. And we also went and saw Beetlejuice on Broadway. How was that? It was amazing. Was it good? It was really good. I wasn't I love sure the what movie, to but I feel like the. Do you, play do you know what year good. it came out? I'm gonna guess. I mean, I love, love, love the movie. I'm gonna guess 91. Okay. Kenny? I was gonna guess like 82, 83. I have no idea, honestly. You cry easy, Kenny. You cry, Ken. I'm pretty sure. We I, I just it think up. it was before I was born. So, hold on. Could be the 50s. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Kenny's like, it could be in black and white. Same season. 1988. Oh, so I was close. You're close. Yeah. I wasn't that far. Kenny. Like six years? That's not bad. 1982. I was born in 81. So, yeah. That's when it's like, no. I remember seeing it at the movie theater. So, I knew it wasn't. I don't think I saw it at the movie theater. I think I saw it. But I remember seeing it, like, I remember watching it in the 90s. Over and over and over and over and over again. Yeah, but I yeah. thought it was the coolest. Yeah, I loved it. So Winona the play was Ryder? great. Oh, it was amazing. And, like, the lead in it, she was, like, the girl who played Lydia was, mm-hmm. like, magic. So My favorite part is when they did the, they stretched their faces out. Well, they didn't do that in the play. Well, obviously. <laughs> but in the movie, that was my, fa- as a kid, that was my favorite part. Yeah. Have you oh. seen it, Kenny? I've seen it, okay. yeah. Okay. As long as we're sure. Uh, well, we I just discovered uh, Michael Keaton must have been uh what was the guy who did um Beetlejuice? Hold on. You just had it up. You mean did you mean produced it or wrote Tim it? Tim Burton. Oh, Tim Burton, got it. Well, Tim Burton also did the first Batman with 
Michael Keaton playing Batman. Oh, I didn't realize that. Yeah, and so I feel like he must he must have had a thing for Michael Keaton at the time. Well, he probably was easy to work with. I mean, and he nice. seems nice, and he's like a and Michael Keaton. Fit. If you're listening to this, hey, rate, subscribe, <laughs> rate, rate, review, subscribe. Get it. <laughs> Oh my God. So Kenny's back, for, or Kenny, Jenny's back from her trip. Yes. Kenny's going on a trip. Yes. Which Very is why soon. we're recording on Monday. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yep. So yeah. That's we can't wait know. to hear report back. Oh, I know. I can't wait. Going to Colorado. Tell me what the temperature's going to be on uh, oh, yeah. Thursday. So I was checking the weather because, you know, I have to pack still. And <laughs> tomorrow's like 79 there. So like sounds beautiful. Wednesday, 78. Oh. Sunny. Thursday, my first full day there. Oh no. 29 and snowing. Oh! They're like, Kenny's coming from Cleveland. Let's snow. Yeah. Let's get him used to that Cleveland weather he's going to have. Oh, that so. stinks. But is then, it going to be up and down the whole time? Or? Then it's going to be like 45, then like 55. Okay. Then I think 60 my last day. That's so. expe- I feel like 60 is expected, yeah. but not Not terrible. 29. The 29 is well, a little rough. That, that, got, that, yeah, that, that got aggressive. So how are you going to pack? No wonder why you haven't packed yet. I don't know. I'm, I don't think I'm going to. be challenging. I don't think I'm going to bring a winter coat. Well, I feel like maybe the day it's mm, like no, but maybe the day it's twenty nine. Could you like do some indoor things? Maybe we'll do that. I feel like you should bring a winter coat. But I don't like have. I'm only bringing a carry on, so that could take up like half a carry on. Just wear it on the plane. Oh, that's too much. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I think you should, Kenny. I think just a hoodie and then like some Under Armour under the hoodie. Okay. I feel like that's a good warm. Some thermals. Sure. Yeah. Sure. A hat, gloves. I'll okay. be fine. So okay. you're going to dress warm still? Warm, just yeah. not super warm. Okay. I would wear like a parka. I'd be like, <laughs> like Todd and I went and walked the dog the one day and it was like cold and I had my winter, like a f- my full blown like winter coat on. He was like, it's not that cold. Like you don't need to wear that coat. I'm like, but I'm cold, but it's not like winter coat yet cold. <laughs> I just want to be prepared. Okay. Well, I, I, I think you are. And I think Kenny should be too, but it's fine. Look at I'll be fine. He's young. He's got, he's a little like whippersnapper. All, he's like running hot. Yeah. I don't know. Is that a thing? Yeah, sure. <laughs> Shall we begin? Yes. Danelle's going first. I'm going first. So let me get situated here. I'm at a different angle than I usually am, so mm-hmm. I'm not loving it, but it's fine. I, I'll figure it out. Um, so this is the survival story of Melissa Dome. Hmm. Ever heard of her? <laughs> Ever heard of it? Ring a bell? No. No? Okay. So um, we're going to venture back in 2012. Not that far. Um, Melissa was in college working full time um, and uh, with her dream of becoming a nurse. So she was in school. She was working, wanted to be a nurse. Um, She was dating a guy named Robert Burton. Not Tim Burton? Not Tim. Not related to Tim Burton. That I know of. Great. Um, They had met in high school and they hung out all the time. And, you know, as young love, you know, happens, they were, you know, very close, best friends. Um, He was very charming and funny. And she said she described him as like a gentle giant. So, yeah. Sweet. Mm. So she noticed his behavior started to change Uh when she started applying to um, school for college and high school. So... Mm. He became very jealous. He would belittle her and not want her to succeed. Um, he would lie about things, and if she confronted him, he would have an explosive temper. So it's almost like a little switch that happened whenever they were, like, senior years in high school. What? 
Um, she recalls, this is all from um, People Magazine on an ar- online article, and she recalls in the article that she tried to break up with him, but he told her that um, as his girlfriend, she should help him, not abandon him, and that he would hurt himself if she left him. Ugh, that is a rude trick. Mm-hmm. You can't do that to people. No. So it soon escalated to physical abuse, eventually. And one day in October 2011 not 12 yet, they were driving home and he had been drinking mm. and, um, underage drinking. Uh, yes, because I, this happened to her when mm. she was 20. So they were 19 at the time. That's why you wait till you're 21. That's why you wait till you're 21. Mr. So you at least be legal. Um, <laughs> like all of us waited. He said wink, that wink, nudge, nudge. Oh, I did. Mom. Don't worry. You, yeah. <laughs> Kenny, Kenny is a sweet angel. He would never do he anything would like never that. Do that. Yeah. Right. Kenny. Never. Ever. 21. In fact, he doesn't drink now. Nope. I drink water during this podcast. <laughs> it's and, all a facade. And grape juice. And grape juice. Welch's. Um, <laughs> he said he got mad at her because he said she shut the door before he had finished um, speaking in their conversation. And that set him off. Oh, uh, my God. He started hitting and punching her. <gasps> yeah. She was able to break free and run away and call the police mm-hmm. um, who arrived and arrested him. And he was charged with domestic battery and sentenced to 10 hours in jail. 10 hours? Yes. Oh my God, you're going to have to turn that down, Kenny. I'm sorry. Kenny's like, my ears. My ears just Um, are bleeding now. So she thought this moment, she realized then, you know, she was in a bad situation and she thought at this point she finally broke free from him. Like she was able to get away. She had charges against him. Like she's like, I'm done. Yeah. 10 hours though. So over the next couple of months, he left her alone. And she learned through social media that he had another girlfriend. So she really thought, okay, he's moving on. He's over me. Like I can, I can also move on. So on January 24th, 2012, Mm -hmm. and this is in Clearwater, Florida. So it's probably, I'm guessing the weather. I don't know why I want to think about the weather, but January appears cold. So it's like a warmer outside. I think it's still brisk, but I think it's like, like the people in Florida will tell you it's cold, Mm -hmm. but anyone listening in Florida, I'm sorry. It's not. It's not cold. It's not. (laughs) So January 24th, 2012, he called her at 2 a.m. in the morning. Listen, if you're my ex and you're calling me at 2 in the morning, go fuck yourself. I'm not answering. <laughs> Unless I want you back. But she didn't want him back. So don't answer. I'm not, not that I'm victim shaming her. I'm just saying, like, red flag right. number one. Yeah. So he calls her at 2 a.m. And um, he had gone to court that morning for the charges officially. Mm. And um, for the battery charge. And that he needed, he told her that he needed closure. Um, from the terrible relationship, and he just wanted a hug. Nope. Mm-hmm. So she thought that um, if she just saw him one more time, um, she said that um, he she- said that he would leave her alone forever. So he was like, "If you just come over to my house right now, in the middle of the night, right now at two a.m. for a hug, for, for a, a hug, fucking hug, I want closure. I'm sorry, you don't get closure, and you don't get to tell me where to go in the middle of the no, night. No, at Bye. two a.m. No." So she no. thought, though, that, that this is, he would then finally, like, move on officially. Mm. And looking back, she did not listen to her intuition. Mm-hmm. And um, she said it, it turned out to be the biggest mistake she ever made, God. as I will tell you what happened next. So um, this part's important. So she took pepper spray, mm-hmm. a phone, and um, she thought with those two items, she could at least, if something bad did happen, she could protect herself. I mean, I would have probably thought the same thing. But, mm-hmm. you know, that's not always... That's not always going to get you out of a bad situation. So just 
don't go or have a friend go with you or just don't go. I say don't go at 2 a.m. Yeah. Just say, we, let's meet in a public place Let's meet the next day. At the grocery store tomorrow and I'll hug you in the parking or lot. Or let's meet never. How about that? <laughs> or we'll do a virtual hug over the phone right, right now. Right. Exactly. <laughs> so um, as soon as she walked out to meet him, so I'm guessing like let's say she pulls up to his house, gets out of her car and walks up to his house to meet him. Um, he reached his arms out for a big hug and he... Um, also had a switchblade in his hand that she didn't see. Nope. And he flipped it open and started stabbing her over and over again as she went in for the hug. Yeah. And she said she remembers the pain of the first few stabs, but after that she went into fight or flight mode and she tried to fight back and bite his hand. She was punching and screaming, doing everything she could, but she kept falling on the ground because she was losing so much blood because he just continued to stab her. Um, How big is a switchblade? It's like, I'm guessing a pocket knife. I feel like it's probably three to five inches, depending yeah. on the Enough switchblade. Enough to do. Okay, yeah. so he's getting he's getting some distance he's getting in, in there. there. Okay. Yeah, okay. he's getting in there. So, um, two younger kids saw this happening and called nine one one. And he Why had are also these kids up so late. I know. I don't know how old they were. So I don't know if they were like listen. teenagers, like Kenny being mischievous. No, Kenny was an Again, angel. Went to bed by nine. <laughs> I was very good kid. Mrs. Steinbauer, I don't believe him. Um, okay, so two neighborhood kids saw this happening. Um, Robert, her ex-boyfriend, saw that the kids saw. And um, the neighborhood kids went and called 911, thankfully. And after Robert realized that he had been, like, that these guys had seen him, um, he ran to his car and grabbed a bigger knife. Oh, my. No. With a serrated blade, which I don't know what that means. Oh, that means it's got, like... You know how a bread knife? Oh. How, you, how it has oh, those yes. ridges? Like the teeth. The, the really... teeth. So you can cut the bread without mm. it like squishing. Mm-hmm. Isn't that what a serrated knife is? I think so, yeah. Okay. okay. So gross. Well, he Super grabbed gross. one of those from his from his truck. Glock. And um, she believes to this day that he had every intention on killing her. I'm sure. And he knew the police was, they were on their way and he was trying to finish the job. Oh, Jesus. Um, <laughs> so at that point, after stabbing her more times. With um, a serrated With a serrated knife. knife um, so we had the switchblade knife and now the serrated knife. Um, he left her lying in the road um, thinking that she was going to die. And she said that all she could do was pray to God to save her and give her a chance. Um, as she was drifting away, a police officer um, pointed his lights on her and she felt a rush of life come back to her and the wantingness to live. She realized that someone was there to save her. And um, the only thing she said when the police officer did that was her name and who attacked her. Smart. And then she passed out. Good. Yeah. You got to yeah. get that out. And her sleech, her sleech, her speech was very slurred because she actually had had a stroke from so much blood loss, oh. like during all this was happening. Uh-huh. And, um, yeah. So they life flighted her to the hospital and, um, the trauma surgeons later told her that she had died several times on the table when she was in the hospital and they, um, saved her over and over. They had, you know, more than I read two times and I read three times. So multiple times she'd passed away on the table. Um, he had broken her skull and jaw, her head and nose were fractured. She had severe facial nerve damage and paralysis on the right side of her face. And they gave her uh, 12 units of blood and the body holds about seven on average. So they, they overgave her blood because she lost so much blood, which is insane. Uh Um, he stabbed her over 32 times and mostly in the face and she lived Barely. Um, when she was finally stable, the first thing she needed, or the first thing she asked for was a piece of paper and a pen, and she couldn't use her right hand because it was 
you know, she because had some, of a stroke. Par- yeah, she was a little paralyzed. Um, and she had so many stab wounds in her hand, too, that she wrote down um, to her parents. She said, dead, alive, or jail. She wanted to know exactly where he was. Um, her family told her that he had been caught and he was not going to harm her anymore. So um, after the police had rescued her, he attempted to crash his car into a wall and took sleeping pills. But he failed at that. Um, so he woke up in the hospital strapped to the bed to a bed with police by his side. So he's immediately mm-hmm. arrested. Mm-hmm. Um, so she was, let's see, 19 of the 32 stab wounds were, were on her head, neck and face. And, um, so for quite a long time, she didn't want to look at herself in the mirror just cause she knew she wasn't gonna look like the person she was. Um, she had missing teeth. Her hair was shaved because they had to stitch her wounds up in her head from the stab wounds. And again, half of her face was paralyzed. So there, you know, she had a little droopiness, um, going on too. So eventually after multiple, multiple, multiple surgeries, she had, um, teeth implants put in because mm-hmm. her teeth were knocked out. And her scars slowly faded. Um, she went and had nerve and muscle surgery in Boston. I guess that's a really good nerve and nerve and muscle hospital. Sure. Great. Um, where they helped her, you know, smile again. They taught her like different, you know, physical therapy tactics and stuff. Um, at first they told her that she would never walk again or that she, you know, her paralyzation wouldn't come back. And, um, after she got through all the physical therapy, she ended up walking and taking a trip to Europe, a backpacking trip to Europe. So she did fully recover. Um, she also assumed after the attack that she'd be single forever. Okay. Because just of all the, the damage, the emotional damage, um, also the physical damage, she didn't think that she was attractive enough for, I mean, she didn't say that. I don't want to put that but she just had a lot of scars and she just wasn't sure how she wanted to move forward. Um, she thought no one would want to date her because she was just so damaged and she had all the baggage, all this baggage. Um, so she made it her cause and mission. She changed her major in school from nursing to basically, um, like a communications major where she wanted to give speeches on domestic violence and abuse and for young teens on how to like see signals and to get away from that and know that you have a choice And, um, at one of her speeches, nine months later, um, at one of her speaking events, she found out that she was going to meet the emergency services crew who saved her life. Like they were going to show up to one of her speeches. So she'd get to finally meet all these people that saved her life. And one of the firefighters, Cameron invited her and her mom to go to dinner at the fire department following, um, the speech. And afterwards she couldn't stop thinking about him. And she knew he was a delicious fireman because he was a delicious fireman, and he also mm. saved her life. Like, but at first she was like, she was wondering if like, do I find him attractive because he saved my life, or am I really ready to date? Like, she was scared because it only been nine months. No, he's a hot fireman. But <laughs> get in there. I know, and so he gave her his number. Yeah, he did. And he said, you know, um, we're here for you. If you ever need anything, call me. You know, just call me personally. Uh huh. So a week later, she <laughs> called him, and they went on a date, mm-hmm. and they talked for six hours. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. They went to a barbecue place, and um, they started dating, and they fell in love. And um, during this time, too, though, he taught her how to shoot a gun. Oh. She got her concealed carry. Oh, all right. Um, they took, like, classes together, and he was there to kind of get her through the process. Um, but she still had to go through the court trial. So we're now August 2013, so this had all happened January 2012, and um, so let's say almost a year later, she was due in court to face um, 
that asshole that tried to kill her. And when it was her turn to go on the stand, uh, Robert, her ex-boyfriend, just was staring at her, like staring her down. Um, He was trying to intimidate her, and she refused to look away. Like she just looked him in the eyes the whole time and told her story. And at the end of the trial, after all the evidence was shown, his head dropped to the table, and he finally had to face, in her mind's eye, he finally had to face what he did to her and that he had no more power over her. And he pleaded guilty. Yeah, he did. Mm-hmm. He was giving li- he was given life without parole. Yes, and she said she walked out of that courthouse with her life back. Yeah. Um. So back to Cameron and Melissa, the firefighter, her boyfriend. Mm-hmm. They continued dating. Um. She did graduate with her degree, and um. A couple years later, she was invited to give the first pitch at the Tampa Bay Rays baseball game. Mm-hmm. Um. In recognition of all like the speeches she had done and like the violent you know, helping victims and stuff like that. And um, Cameron went out to the mound to hand her the ball. (gasps) And on the ball, it said, will you marry me? And he got down on one knee and proposed to her in front of everybody. Yes, yes, yes. And of course, she said yes. Um, He gave her a beautiful diamond ring that he had picked out and told her that they were going to get married in a few weeks. So they live happily ever after. And um, they are just she's happy as can be and still continues to do her work and has partnered up with another victim that I'm not going to tell you the name of because I think I'm going to do it next week, (laughs) um, has partnered up with her in the Florida area and they're just doing amazing work and she's just such a survivor. So that is a survival story of Melissa Dome. Melissa. 32 times. That's too many times. And I'll send you the pictures to post and she's just adorable and has just been through so much. And the one of the pictures I'm going to send you is him proposing to her on the mound. It's really sweet. So, yeah. Great That's story. adorable. Uh, yeah. I love it. Yeah. <sighs> Are you ready? Well, that ended really nicely. Mm-hmm. I don't know if mine ends as nice. The other one I was going to pick <laughs> was not so nice ending. So I feel like that's a good one. I mean, technically this is a nice ending because the bad guy goes away, but uh, yeah. All right, here we go. Hey everybody. We really hope you love Sip Survivor Pete. Did you know that you can actually get paid just for listening to this podcast? I know it sounds insane, but it's true. We just discovered this free new app called PodCoin and it literally pays you to listen to podcasts. Here's how it works. You listen to podcasts and you earn PodCoin while you listen. Then you turn that PodCoin in for gift cards at places like Amazon or Starbucks. Or if you're a good person, you can even donate that PodCoin to a charity. The more you listen, the more you earn. So here's what you do. Download the app right now on your iPhone or Android and have a and we have a special code for you. Simply use our code SIPSURVIVE and you'll get 300 PodCoins just for signing up. And if you listen to enough of us on there, you can get a cappuccino at Starbucks or an Amazon gift card on us. You're welcome. So go ahead and go listen to this podcast or virtually any podcast on PodCoin and sign up with code SIPSURVIVE. I swear, it'll change the way you listen to podcasts. It did for me. And me. All right. I am doing... The Craigslist Killer. Oh. And we're doing the one that was in Ohio because there's been multiple Craigslist mm-hmm. killers, unfortunately. Yeah. Um, so Gotta I'm watch doing... out for that Craigslist. <laughs> you really do. Have you guys ever shopped on Craigslist? I have. What'd you get? Um, well, multiple random things like a TV stand or something like that. But mm-hmm. also, um, I was really obsessed with finding apartments on Craigslist. 
which is really bad and bizarre. But I was like, when Todd and I first moved up here, I would always like, was looking for apartments. I don't know. And I would always look on Craigslist. Okay. Yeah. In college, when I had my internships at different places, that's where I found my apartments. Mm. Lived. I found Craigslist roommates in Columbus that weren't the best, but you know, and then uh, Craigslist roommates in North Carolina. One of them owned a snake. That was kind of scary, but they're not the best place to find roommates, but last minute, great place. Well, we were going to sell our hot tub on Craigslist and Todd was like, "Mm, probably not a good idea. Let's Mm -mm. have someone come get it. We ended up giving it away, but yeah. Have you? Uh, I don't normally like Craigslist, but uh, my husband does. And Donald. Um, well, remember, it was the appliance debacle. Was that a Craigslist thing? I thought that was like a drive-by. No, that was a Craigslist thing. And it was like, you get all these appliances for $500. And we were like, hmm, And none of them strange. work. No, they all worked except the one we needed to, right, which that's was right, the, the refrigerator. <laughs> uh, yeah. So It sounds too good to be true. It is. And it was. So, um, okay. So this takes place in November of 2011. And it's in the backwoods of Southeast Ohio. Ooh. So my stomping ground. Yeah. Okay. I'm feeling it. So the the guy here uh, who answered a Craigslist ad, his name was Scott Davis. Okay. And the Craigslist ad was a an ad for employment. And in 2011, we were still kind of coming out of that recession. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's just so, that small recession, that, just that little dipsy do yeah, that we had right. back in the Dizzy. Um, yeah. So a lot of people were hard up for work, like any kind of work. So, anything. Yeah. Um, there was an ad that was placed on Craigslist that was basically like, you're going to be, uh, uh, what did he call it? Hold on. Caretaker of a cattle ranch so it was a 600 acre cattle ranch okay. you'll be the caretaker of you get paid 300 dollars a week i believe okay. probably under the table and room and board was free because you could just live on the farm on the ranch okay. there was like a house or an apartment or some shit so um scott uh scott davis is the guy who replies to the ad and he meets um his new boss jack and um, Jack's nephew, I'm putting that in air quotes, uh, what was his nephew's name? Rogan. And they meet at like a, a Shoney's, which I don't know if those are national, but it's like What's a... That? Oh, a like, Shoney's, like a, a restaurant. Yeah, like a dinery. I've never been. Foodie. I don't know if it's fast food or diner, but it's like a it's breakfast like a Friendly's, place. right? Yeah. Kinda. So they, they went there to get breakfast and like talk about the job. And then after breakfast, they, you know, they thought it was going well. So they said, hey, you want to come out and see the farm? We can kind of like show you around and show you the ropes. And he was like, sure, yeah, sounds good. So Rogan starts, uh, Rogan gets in the car and drives, and that's the teenager that was like the nephew. Okay. Then Jack, the boss, was in the passenger seat, and Scott was in the back seat. So he went in their car. He went in their car. Okay. So they start driving, and they pull into um, an unpaved wooded area, and um, Jack, the new boss, said, hey, Rogan, can you stop right here? Because I left some hunting gear over here. I just want to grab it um, before it rains later. So he's like, I don't remember exactly where it is. Jack, can you come help me? So if you were in this situation, would you red flag right now? Because I feel like I'd be like, da-da-da-da-da-da. Yeah, I guess I, well, I don't know if I would have gotten in the car with them. Yeah. I think it depends on their demeanor. 
I know. Yeah. I like, feel like if, if the guy seems like a nice guy, I'm honestly going to trust him probably. Yeah. yeah. So he's like, hey, like I got to go grab this stuff. Like um, just like camping equipment, like a chair and a, I don't know what you use to and hunt. And it's country. So they're, yeah. it's not a so big deal. So it's just like out in the boonies. And yeah. they met for breakfast first. So I feel like you're at meeting in a, a public place. Right. You're getting to know that they're not creeps. Like I probably, yeah. Okay. Okay. So, uh, Jack and Scott get out of the car. Jack, again, is the boss. Scott is the guy who's applying for the job. Mm -hmm. They get out of the car. They start walking for a little bit. And Scott said it was a little weird. Excuse me. It was a little weird because it seemed like um, Jack didn't know where he was going. He seemed a little lost. Mm -hmm. Um, And at one point, Jack just said, you know what? Forget it. I don't remember where I left it. And so they started to walk back to the car. Okay. Scott was in front of Jack. And all of a sudden, Scott hears Jack mutter... A curse word? They didn't say which one, you guys, on the documentary I was watching. Shoot. So he was like, shit, or fuck. You know, he just like said something. And that's when Scott turned around, Mm -hmm. and as he was turning, he heard the click of a gun. (gasps) And when he turned, he saw the gun pointing right at his head. Oh. And he threw his arms up and like blocked the gun. He did get shot in the elbow. But then he was like, what the fuck? Like, what's happening? And started running. Started running through the woods in backcountry that he doesn't know. He's not even from Ohio, by the way. Oh, he's not? I think he was from Virginia. See, I was thinking he was from these parts, too. So, Mm -hmm. like, he knew the area. So, you're a little more comfortable because you, you know. No, he he came for the job. Okay. So, he starts running through the woods as Jack is shooting at him as if he is hunted game. Terrifying. He's basically hunting a human for shits and giggles. Oh, my God. And poor Scott is bleeding profusely from the elbow. Uh-huh. Um, he's in a ton of pain. Uh, eventually, he finds like a little, I don't know, valley, a little, little oh. dippy do. Okay. And he lays down in it and hopes that they'll just go away. Okay. Um, so he lays there for seven hours. Oh, my God. Waiting because he's so afraid that they're going to come find him. You don't even want to breathe him. or move or anything. Right. All right. So, um, and I'm assuming no cell phone. No, he, I don't think he, if he did have a cell phone with him, he, no service or yeah, something. I think yeah. There must've been no service or, cause it was 2011. So cell phones were a thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but maybe he left it in the car. I don't know. Right. He was an older guy too. So like, all right. Um, yeah, he hides for seven hours. He tries to find his way back to a main road. He finally stumbles across a house. Oh no. And he rings the doorbell <gasps> and don't worry. Okay, my worst fear is that, okay. A little nine-year-old answers. Oh, sweet baby. (laughs) So he he calls, I think, his uncle over, and he's like, this guy is bleeding on our porch. Um, So they call the police, and a guy, Sheriff Hannum, arrives, and he's very skeptical about this whole story. Okay. It sounds ridiculous. Mm -hmm. And probably nothing ever happens in this small town. Yeah, he's like, So so you're telling me that two guys took you to breakfast, Took you to the woods. Yeah. And And then then shot at you? For no reason. For for absolutely no reason. So they didn't steal anything from you? They just shot you? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And he's like, and where did you hear about this job? Craigslist? Okay. So he's just very, like, "Mm, this doesn't sound right. Um, He kind of makes the assumption that drugs are somehow involved. Mm -hmm. Um, So he, he started going back and, like, looking at some of the footage of, like, the restaurant had footage of the guys, like, meeting up. Um, Scott's truck was still at the Shoney's in the parking lot. 
So it's like where he said everything was. He was also wearing a baseball hat during this like hunting situation when he was being hunted and his hat flew off while he was running. And so he told them my hat, it's in this the is woods. what it looks like. It's in the woods. You can go look at it. It's, it's out there. And they did and they found it and they were like, oh, wasn't that strange? Mm-hmm. Uh, okay. So a week after this all happened, a woman who lives in Maine calls the police in this small town and says, my twin brother, David Polly answered an ad for work on Craigslist in that, that same town where the guy got shot. Um, and I haven't heard from him in like a week. So wait, this is a different is a guy different she's guy. referring to. Okay. She's like, this is somebody in Maine's twin brother who answered the Craigslist and came to Ohio for that same job. Okay. But like a week before. Oh God. Yeah. So now the police are like, all now right. they're kind of like, this doesn't this pass guy. the sniff test. <laughs> so um, they got the computer um, that, uh, let's see. Oh, they got uh, her brother's computer, her twin brother's computer okay. from Maine. And they started looking at it and they compared it to what Davis had, Scott Davis, the other mm-hmm. guy who got shot in the elbow. And they said, okay, like the emails are almost identical. Like the job is the same. The place is the same. The contact info is the same. Mm-hmm. Like, it's the same. So they went back into the woods and started, like, poking around. And okay. they found three holes in the ground. <gasps> uh, and they were um, covered in blood-soaked dirt. Oh, God. So in one of them, they found human remains face down in a shallow grave. Oh. And the person who it was was shot in the back of the head. And they said that they had probably been dead two or three weeks. Um, obviously they were very decomposed because they had been there in the ground mm-hmm. for two or three weeks in the elements in the elements and under the ground where the bugs get you um so they pulled him out and he actually had on a leather some i on the documentary they said it was a bracelet or in an article i read they said it was a bracelet but then they said a necklace but anyway it was a leather we'll say necklace a leather piece of jewelry with like uh, a metal tag on it okay and they asked the sister does your brother wear this piece of jewelry and she said yes we both have the same one oh i just got goosebumps they had matching ones that's so yeah so um so that ended with him being dead Mm. in the same area that scott had just escaped from um so they did a cyber search uh to try and figure out where the craigslist ad had originated from um so they found the ip address and it was um, registered to a, a guy named Richard Beasley. Okay. And remember the guy who Scott had met said his name was Jack. Right. Okay. So they go to this house where the IP address had originated from. And when they get there, it wasn't the house of Richard Beasley. It was the house of another guy who said he rented a room to a guy named Jack. Jesus. Who lived in his basement for like a few weeks. Okay. So anyway, he, but he's not there anymore because he was just running he a room. He moved on and he's, yeah. Um, Brogan Rafferty was the teen driver. Okay. It was easier for them to find him. He wasn't hiding as stealthily. Because mm-hmm. he was still a teenager. <laughs> he was to go to school. Right. Uh, so they find him and in his house they find ammo, guns, um, like basically a bunch of stuff that points to him being somehow involved mm-hmm. in this. Um. Okay, so then another woman calls the FBI 
and tells them that I forget who, how she knows him. Just a friend named Tim Kern mm-hmm. is missing. Same story. He came to Ohio for a job like on a cattle farm. By the way, the cattle farm didn't fucking exist. There was no All made cattle up. farm. All made up. Yes. Yes. Um, Either did the free, the free rent room and board didn't exist no not, none of it was real except a hole in the ground yeah you yeah. got that was your free room and board. yeah <laughs> um so the he tim kern thought it was very strange he got the job so he was told by jack mm-hmm. but um the jack asked to have the um tim's car put into his name all right hopefully okay no one's gonna do that hopefully he did oh I don't know what's wrong with people. Tim. Here's the thing. Um, so what gets really interesting about this case is Jack or um, what's his name? Richard Beasley is his real name. He was basically going after men. Down on their luck. Down on their luck after the recession, looking for work, like desperate for anything. Um, and he want, he also wanted men that weren't physically able to defend themselves okay maybe they were a little smaller or short or whatever yeah so okay because he, he had he had also interviewed other people that he didn't take to the woods and it would be like like one guy i think they said was former he was older but he was former military so he he's not so gonna, so he, he's not gonna he was like them. yeah i think i'd be really great for this position like they talked on the phone and he was like i think it'd be really great like i was a, a navy seal and i can really handle myself and i can protect that farm and he said, as soon as he said that he had been in the military, mm-hmm. um, Richard Beasley was kind of like, oh, okay, well, well, we'll let you know. And like, didn't want to continue interested. the interview. Yeah. It's so sad that these people were just trying to provide probably for their families or themselves or get back up on their feet. And this mm-hmm. guy just shikes at them and yeah, like a real and murdered them. Yeah. yeah. For fun. For fun. For funsies. Um, okay. So this Tim Kern, they went looking. Mm. he was in the woods grave in a two. shallow grave oh. all right same position do you think like back of the head or yeah it yeah. sounds like it was very execution oh. style stuff um okay then finally there was uh ralph geiger ralph geiger was a homeless man so again this is where the police were getting kind of like what is happening because it's like he wasn't killing these people to take their property right yes he transferred like he wanted that car but that's just because he he needed a car right so he's like well i'll just get this guy's car and then I'll kill him. And he's not robbing them. Like it's not like he's he's robbing them of things that are not like, okay, get ready. So his name is Ralph Geiger. Well, guess what he called himself? Jack Geiger. And so basically he, he went to a homeless shelter and he scouted out guys. He offered the job to Ralph Geiger, Mm -hmm. took him to the woods, promptly killed him and then took his identity and the reason he did it is because Ralph Geiger and him kind of looked alike. Okay. Not a lot. Loosely. Lo- very loosely. <laughs> but you know, like ID pictures can be deceiving, so whatever. Right. So And he was homeless, so he probably didn't have at the moment. He didn't moment. have family or anyone looking for right. him. So yeah, he basically said, I need a new identity so that I can pull this scam. What a piece of shit. So he killed him and stole his identity. He killed Tim to steal his car. I mean, the other two guys, I feel like at this point, it was just for sport. It, now he, like, got a taste for it. So yeah. now he wants to kill them, yeah. So uh, they went to trial. Uh, they finally had found Richard Beasley uh, after they found... Brogan. Richard's the older one. Richard's the older one because they found 
broken. Okay. So um, it was a very interesting trial because Beasley basically said that Scott, the guy who survived mm-hmm. the elbow shot, um, he said, Scott was, was trying to kill me. He was firing on me. We wrestled on the ground until all the bullets were gone. No. And then his defense attorney also said, well, I think violent gangs could be involved. Oh, God. (laughs) In Southeast Ohio, right. You know how it is. You know those gangs in Southeast Ohio. So, again, he chose middle-aged, down-on-their-luck people with few friends and family who would ever be looking for Mm -hmm. them. Um, But thankfully, Scott Davis was smart enough to figure out that something felt wrong. Right. Uh, But the other thing is, Richard Beasley, him cussing, that cuss word before he pulled the trigger got him to got his attention. So it's kind of like you did this to yourself, dude. Right. It was going to happen. I mean, no matter what he, it was not like he was a mastermind. Right. Whatever. Um, okay. So Brogan, the teenager gets life in prison. Go, I mean, yeah. Sorry, buddy. Well, and were then, they related at all or were they? No, they met. So <laughs> here's the interesting. Richard Beasley was also, uh, considered himself a religious man. Of course. He was like a, he considered himself like a, pastor of mm. sorts mm-hmm. and so he met a disciple of god of course a killer one but a disciple right. of god um but he f- he met brogan when he was much younger maybe like five or six and had been like teaching him the gospel his whole life but i think also grooming him to mm-hmm. be like his sidekick his yeah. you know Partner getaway basically yeah. getaway partner because you're gonna trust someone with a younger kid with them yes like i'm gonna trust you more knowing because he's not gonna hurt this kid or do anything in front of this kid that yeah. you know and brogan actually didn't know what this craigslist thing was until he shot the first victim yeah and then in he front stuck of around him. though i mean he's he stuck around because i feel like at that point what are you supposed to do i you should leave and tell the police yes, is what you, you should tell the police but he didn't he stayed but and he's he, also brainwashed for many years i'm yes. sure but here's the thing i when i was watching this documentary the one guy in the fbi was like hey i can show you 10 kids that had terrible upbringings guess what they didn't do murder people right in a weird hunting human situation. Mm. So, okay. So did he ever admit to playing, like it being a game or like, he never really said it was a game. He actually kept saying like, he was denying that he was at all guilty. He's, I think he still to this day is denying he's not guilty that this, that he didn't kill anyone in those woods, even though there's a witness that said, you shot me and I ran through the woods to get away from you. You crazy, crazy person. So anyway, um, Richard Beasley was recommended to get the death penalty um, at the strap time. Strap him and zap him, as Jenny would say. As I would say, strap him and zap him. I, I don't know if that has been carried out. I know that's what the jury had suggested as okay. the punishment, but I don't know if that was what was actually. If I mean, well, thank God he was caught. Yeah, worst case scenario, he's in jail for the rest of his life. Mm-hmm. Uh, best case scenario is just strap him and zap him. Goodbye. Yeah. Bye. Yeah, we don't need you anymore. We don't need you. So Scott Davis, I don't have his, his, he seemed like a kind of quiet guy. A lot of these guys just were not. Yeah. I wonder where he is now. I know. So, um, but he, at the end of the trial, um, looked at Richard Beasley and said, like, I want you to look into my eyes. Remember this face. It's the face that put you away. It's the face that'll watch you die. Oh, shit. And I was like, like he Instead said of the back of my head, look into my eyes. Yeah. He basically said, if you get the death penalty, I'm going to be there. I'm going to be front row. Like it was like, 
damn scott wow but i would be like that too since this guy tried to kill you hell yeah i would so anyway that is the ohio craigslist killer and his survivor scott davis todd take our stuff off craigslist get it off there or meet in public places in public and then don't go into the woods with them don't do it just as my friends from my favorite murder would say stay out of the forest stay out of the motherfucking forest it's a true statement it's true good work wow good job hey thanks all right Kenny. Kenny. Okay. Weird news of the week. <laughs> a cat needs a glucose drip after what? Glucose drip. I mean, glucose drip is sugar. to take down your sugar, right? Or is it to increase your sugar? Honestly, I have no idea. I, I just found it funny that glucose. the cat needed a glucose drip. I think it's to increase your sugar. I, I think so, too. Oh, okay. After what? Ooh, Kenny, you're just stunning. It's weird news. So, I mean, it's weird enough that that cat needs a glucose drip. Right. That, I thought and that what was. What does it a, even look like? I wish there was a picture of a cat like with an IV. I'm but, guessing it had to be a little sedated so that they could stick that in. Oh hell yeah, cats! No way, they're not gonna let that happen. Hmm. Um, why would it need that? Did it eat? Did it snort? Um, what are those little pixie things? With the sugar. <laughs> But it would need less sugar. It would need like, I think a glucose drip is like taking your sugar down. I don't know. So it it accidentally snorted. A pixie stick. A pixie, like a big, like a jumbo pixie stick. Like the ones like you get from like Cedar Point. Hell yeah. Those like ones that are He's like, I'm going to party tonight. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Danelle just acted like she was snorting a line of pixie stick. That's what happened. Um, I'm just going to go real gross and say the cat ate too much of its own shit. Okay. Um, You're probably right. <laughs> so I think the glucose drip is if you don't have enough sugar based okay. on this story. Okay. Uh, he needed a glucose drip because he mated with five female cats in one night at a pet hotel. Uh-oh. Wait. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Uh, do you mean a pet motel? <laughs> is Instead it by a... the hour? Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, I think you're right. It's got to be like he... I think he was exhausted apparently yeah, when the so owner needed, came like the cat was basically like dead because they <laughs> they didn't feed him during the that's, day that's one horny cat wait hey, they did feed him or they didn't, didn't feed him during the day and the owner said don't let him out with other cats he's not neutered they left him out and on like the footage you see he's him between 11 and 5 a.m mating with five different cats that you could see there's parts of the footage that you oh didn't know where it was. okay but here's the bigger question how do you let someone bring their cat unneutered cat to a cat hotel i don't know like apparently this business wasn't you, owned very can't you see their well. balls like on most animals that aren't neutered you can see balls cats i think are different oh okay. this is my favorite picture of the cat <laughs> <laughs> that cat got i th- that cat laid. got laid i think he's probably sedated in this multiple with multiple times yeah but i think he feel he's, he's feeling like real uh-huh. good <laughs> That's so funny. Oh my God. You know what he did first? He snorted that pixie stick, got real high. Yep. And then he got laid multiple times. Yes. That's what happened. Oh my God. Oh my mm-hmm. God. That was good. Oh. You Jenny's getting red. 
Oh my God. Okay, cool. Well, um, thanks for listening, everyone. We will be back again next week with more survival stories. Oh, side note. uh, Don't forget that we are awarding new patrons to our Patreon uh, by sending you guys a button no matter what level. So you get all the rewards that are listed and button just think a dollar a month two dollars a month that's right just skip starbucks like a half a starbucks one day right exactly help support our white help support our wine habit yeah obviously so uh make sure you do that and we'll see you guys next week Bye. bye Hey guys, it's Jenny from Sip, Survive, Repeat, and we love our listeners, but we want to get some more ratings and reviews. So if you guys could log on to Apple Podcasts and then give us a rating and a review, we'll send you a sticker. All you need to do is send us a screenshot of your rating and your review to either our email, sipsurviverepeat at gmail.com, or direct message us, or DM us as the kids like to say, on any social media. So all you have to do again is rate and review on Apple Podcasts and take a screenshot of that and send it to us at one of the channels I just mentioned. And we'll send you a Sip, Survive, Repeat sticker. And it's big, you guys. Size of your hand at least. So again, send it to us and we'll see you soon.